Our topic this week, out of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6 and 7, Noah and the Ark. Now we've had a couple sermons building up to this point, and so we're going to just do a quick review and then get into chapters, uh, the rest of chapter 6 and chapter 7. And it's interesting, in uh, Genesis 6 and 7, there is a ton of review. Keeps on saying the same thing over and over again which I think it gives validity to the account. Uh, God is emphasizing it, that it's not just a story, but that it was an actual event as we understand the Bible. And there's tons of proof for that biblically and in geography, geology. Geography, geology, right? Geology, in the rocks, right? Okay, so today we're going to be looking at a few things. How many of each kind of animal was on the ark? What was wife's name? Noah's wife's name? Why weren't there dinosaurs on the ark? And who and what was in the ark? Okay? All right, so maybe you know some of the answers to that already, right? Like how many animals came onto the ark? I mean, of each kind of animal? Two. Two? Okay, all right. So let's take a look. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he indeed, he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in heart. Horrible, horrible sad testimony. Now, as it says there, uh, his days shall be 120 years, and they were living at that point, like 900 years on average. And so then he's prophesying that it's going to be just down to 120 years, as in Noah's day. But it could also be that, uh, that from 120 years, from that time, uh, the decree for Noah to build the ark, until the destruction of all flesh. And that's what we understand that Noah built the ark uh, over a 120-year period of time. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And we looked again more at those things, and Noah finding grace in the eyes of the Lord and being just and perfect and walking with God. In previous weeks, and if you missed that, you can go to shalomadventure.com and uh, just in the search type in uh, Noah finding grace or or Genesis chapter 6 and it'll bring it up that way for you. Verse, still Genesis 6, verse 14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door in the ark on its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Again, in just a very few verses, there's a lot of details there dimensions, exactly where the window is to go, and how far from the top, and the door, and the door on the side, and three levels of the the ark. And so again, giving uh, uh, 
evidence that this is an actual event, it can be, and not just a parable, not just a story, but giving actual dimensions and uh, an actual description of the ark that was to be built. Verse 17, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Verse 18, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. You shall, they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Right? So that's where you got the two of every kind and, uh, and to come into the ark. And then verse 21, you shall take for yourself all food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. And then chapter 7, verse 1, The Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So that was a quick review of chapter 6. And again, we didn't look at every single verse, because again, there's a lot of repetition in it. That's the basic gist of God preparing Noah to prepare the ark and to bring the animals in and to be ready to save them and his family to preserve them in the generations to come. Since Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of any of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. So here in chapter 7, it says to bring how many of each kind of clean animal? Seven. A male and a female. And yet in Genesis chapter 6, it said how many of each? Two. So which one's right? Both. How can it be both? Correct, yeah, so you have the amount of the clean animals is seven pairs. So it says two of each, two of each in a pair, right? So two for a pair. So seven of the clean animals, a male and its mate, right? So a male is one and a mate and a female is two, two of each. So they're in pairs coming onto the ark, married couples coming onto the ark. Uh, but seven of the clean, or thus 14, seven pairs, so thus 14 of the clean animals and two, one pair, a male and a female, of the unclean. And so that's a nice trivia question, right? So you ask someone, you know, how many of each kind of animal? The correct answer is 14 of the clean, or seven pairs, and one pair, two animals of the unclean. And the way to remember where that is, it's very simple, it's Genesis chapter 7, Verse 2, right? So seven of the clean animals and two of the unclean animals, right? So that's a kind of a little trivial question. So here we see long before Moses, this is hundreds of years before Moses, that God differentiating between 
the clean and the unclean. It's close to a thousand years before Moses. When Moses wrote in, uh, in, in Leviticus 11, I believe it is, the, how to differentiate between the clean and unclean. God was already making a distinction between the clean and the unclean. Again, long before the details were written down. And so God has made this distinction. And prior to the flood, and the flood doesn't come along until close to one-third of Earth's history. I think it's around 1,800 years or so before uh, the flood comes. And, um, and so before that time, for 1,800 years, God had not given any permission for eating meat. So the distinction between clean and unclean as far as dietary laws was not an issue. God had only given the directions that we had in Genesis chapter, was it two and three, of the herbs of the field uh, being for food for them, the fruits and the grains and the nuts of, and the vegetables being for food for them. And so it's not until after the flood, and we'll get to that in another couple weeks or so, um, where God first allows the eating of meats, and again, obviously, it would be of the clean animals. And that would make sense that there would have to be more than just two animals, because after the flood, if there's no food to eat, all the trees are gone, all the you know, vegetation is all destroyed, and, uh, and they offered sacrifices. The Bible tells us that they offered sacrifices. And so if you only had two of every animal, and they offered sacrifices, or had to eat one, again, because there's no vegetation, then there would be none of those clean animals left around. So again, all the details in the story give validity to the fact that it's a factual account. And so there so again, the clean animals all the way back uh, to when God first allowed meat eating and the difference. And they also notice it says it over and over and over again, a male and female, right? So how many genders? Two. Two genders. Isn't that interesting? A male and a female, right? An Adam and an Eve, right? An Adam bird and a Eve bird, right? Whatever. Uh, for each different one, right? An Adam lion and an Eve lion, right? Two of every kind of beast, every kind of bird, a male and his female. Right? That's simple enough. Right? Two. That's it. Male and female. Two genders. Now, if you go into a lot of college campuses today and you ask that question, how many genders are? You get a million different answers. You know? 187, right? You don't ask them the name 187. You know, you won't be able to do that. Where on earth can you get 187, right? You know, I don't know how you can get more than two. You know? And if you're not sure which one of those two you are, next time you take a shower, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> don't, let, don't let anyone convince you otherwise. Don't go to some person trying to talk you out of it. You are what you are, right? You are what you're created to be. That's it. And the body tells it. And it's not just in one part of the body that'll tell you. It's all throughout, and every single cell of your body is yelling out what you are. It's in your DNA, and you can't change it just with a surgeon's knife. That's not going to change your DNA. It's not going to change every blood cell in you, every muscle in you. We are what we were born. And to fight against that is to fight against nature. It's to fight against science. It's to fight against God. And there's disastrous results. I knew someone over 30 years ago whose mother went back and forth and back and forth. It was disastrous. 
And that was back 30 years ago, and it hasn't gotten any better. And society accepting it and all this is not going to make it any better. It's sad. It's a really sad account. And so we are living as in the days of Noah, when every intent of the thoughts of their heart is evil only continually. Confusion and sadness, a rejection of God. Rejection of the clear word of God. You know, you don't see any animals in the animal kingdom. You know, and so then believe, the very ones that believe in evolution reject the Bible and reject creation and reject God's authority and believe in evolution. Well, look to evolution. Have you believe in? Look to science. Where in, where in the world do you see, you know, a female peacock trying to grab male peacock feathers and try and decorate itself? You know, you don't see that. You know, or, you know, any kind of thing like that. The male crocodile acts, acts like a male crocodile, and the female crocodile acts like a female crocodile. And that's how it is all throughout. And if we're evolving to better and better, not being able to reproduce is not better and better. So the whole, there's a conflict there, should be a conflict, in their minds if they believe in evolution and that they believe there's more than two genders. Those two don't come in harmony together. But the Bible is clear and plain and in harmony with itself. And we don't have to have this duality in our minds, this conflict in our minds, trying to believe two separate things at the same time that don't even match up. The Bible is clear and in harmony all throughout. Okay, so this is Genesis chapter 7, verse 2. two seven of every clean animal, male and its mate, 14 thus, and two of each of the animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Verse four, and after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So God tells him to go into the ark with all the animals, and after seven days, He's going to bring a flood on the earth. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And so in that time period, that seven-day time period, they're going to be in the ark, and yet it's not going to rain. And so God puts them in, seals them in, and preserves them and tests them. And those on the outside are left to think during these seven days. And they must have seen the animals miraculously come in. I mean, coming in pairs, probably maybe in single file, you know, two by two, right? Not eight males and six females or, you know, every single species, a male and its mate marching into the ark, flying into the ark, crawling into the ark, slithering into the ark, creeping into the ark. What a testimony. That God left. What a warning God gave of his signs and of his power. Hearing Noah preach for 120 years, seeing godliness in his life, seeing consistency in his life, and not only him, Methuselah, and no doubt others, and hearing the testimonies that had been given down through the ages. They, most people were alive when at least Seth was alive. Adam lived almost to this time, well, Adam lived almost to Noah's day, almost to Noah's being born, which is about 600 years or so, 660 or so years 
prior to the flood, but like second generation. Seth would have been still alive, possibly, maybe, maybe not, but not in the time of the flood, but the time when people were born, Noah's day, Noah met Seth, had the opportunity to meet Seth. And so people had secondhand knowledge of the creation, of the Garden of Eden, and of the story. No doubt all of them, or most of them, were alive that had known Enoch, or had opportunity to know Enoch, and know about Enoch being taken just a few generations before this. And so God left witnesses and testaments of his truth. And then to see this ark built, and to see the animals come in. Maybe they went to the professors of the day, the scholars of the day. Can it rain? Oh, it's never rained. Can animals just do that? Well, maybe with some trickery. <laughs> it was just a fluke thing. How could they explain it? Uncleaned only by twos. All the clean animals by 14. And going in and not eating each other. <laughs> it's a miracle of God. And so maybe initially their hearts were stirred. Maybe Noah was right. You know, I began to believe him for a while. I don't know. Now look at that. And, but then seven days, and then they begin to doubt again. And so God gave that time period to test them, to see. And I, I would, I'm knowing the character of God as we have throughout the rest of the Bible. If people would have repented during those seven days and said, well, I've heard and I saw and I've seen enough now, I believe, let me in the ark, I believe God would have accepted their forgiveness, their true repentance, true confession, and would open the door and let them in. But obviously none did. So that seven-day testing time. And Noah and his family, testing time for them, Inside and waiting, waiting, trusting God, believing God, having faith in God. And in the last days, there'll be a period of time between when God pulls back his Holy Spirit. Every man will be, he who is unjust will be unjust still. He who is unrighteous will be unrighteous still. Everyone would have made their choice for God or against God. And the plagues will be poured out upon the wicked. But the seven last plagues, just like the seven of the last plagues in Egypt, will not fall upon God's people. The seven last plagues in Egypt, seven out of the ten, did not fall in the land of Goshen. They were still in Egypt. We'll still be here. But it did not come nigh them. Ten thousand shall fall at your right hand. You will see it with your eyes, but it will not come nigh you. God will protect us. As in the ark of God, God will protect his people. Safe and secure under his arms. Safe and secure under his will. Be a trying time. We'll be mocking and deriding and jeering and cursing God. We'll be only a few. No doubt hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people were on the earth at that time. And only eight got into the ark. 
Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go there. Narrow and straight is the way of the Lord. Few there be that follow therein. And in the last day there'll be few that enter into the ark of God, that believe him, that believe his word, that step out in faith, not by sight, but by the word of God. Not by majority rule, but by the word of God. And be shut in. And the plagues will be poured out upon the wicked. It'll cause them to curse God. The Bible tells us they, they don't repent. But they get even angrier and they curse God even more. It's a testament, no matter what. Mercy and warnings have not led them to repentance and love of God. And neither would judgments. And the same in Noah's day. They were left outside. Had seen enough, and yet nothing persuaded them. And then after the short period of time, seven days in the Noah account, Noah and Noah's sons, son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. And then they and every beast and after its kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind and every bird of every sort, male and female, went in as God commanded him and the Lord shut him in. The Lord closed the door. The people saw this. Maybe it was a miraculous hand Maybe it was angels, or maybe it was just an unseen force. Shut the door and shut them in and preserved them for those seven days before the flood and kept them in. Scan one last testament, one last warning to the people to see the power and authority of God. And they resisted and resisted and resisted. It is by God's power he will see us through to the end. The righteous will endure to the end, but it's God who shuts us in. God who keeps us secure in his ark, in his holy presence, with the family of God together. And so we want to be in that ark. We want to believe and walk by faith. We want to hear God's word and obey God's word. And follow the Lord even if no one else follows. Follow the Lord. Follow his word. Follow his ways. Keep your eyes focused on the goal set before you. I'm sure there are many who thought about it, were somewhat persuaded, As, what was it, the, one of the kings said to Paul, Paul, you almost persuade me. <clears throat> Paul says, I wish that you would not almost, but all the way, just like me, except with these chains. Don't be almost persuaded. Or Pilate before Yeshua, asking, what is truth? And then walking outside, not staying and listening and to hear the answer. 
curiosity for a little bit and almost persuaded is not enough. To be fully convinced in our minds, fully surrendered to him in every aspect of our lives, shut in with him. That's where there's safety, with God, in his presence, in his arms. So what kind of, so what was Noah's wife's name? Mrs. Noah. <laughs> so for whatever reason, the Bible, whatever reason the Bible doesn't give us a more distinction, I don't know. But maybe she didn't want to be known. I don't know. Don't take my picture. You know, I don't know. So he's not mentioned by name, but the sons are. And so we know how many animals, how many kind of each kind of animal? Two of the unclean and seven pairs of the clean animals, right? And then how come, how, how come the dinosaurs didn't get into the ark? Right? So why weren't the dinosaurs on the ark? Well, this, this little illustration tells us what happened. I think, John, were you the one who shared this with me? <laughs> oh, crap. Was that today? So that was the first senior moment. <laughs> so you don't want to miss, you don't want to miss on God's day, right? You don't want to put it on your calendar. The Lord, get ready today, right? As it is said today, right? Be ready, be ready, be ready. Be ready at all times. So the Lord can come. Be ready for him to come. Be ready for that sealing time. Forgot to seal in his people. Be sealed with him. Our characters, our decisions are made for him. Right? Everyone made their decision for God or against God. Make the decision today. Be ready today. Don't put off for tomorrow. Right? Because tomorrow will never come. Right? Today is the day. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today be ready. So who and what was in the ark? People and animals, okay. What kind of animals? Clean and unclean. Clean and unclean, yes. So there were bats and rats and snakes and spiders and cockroaches, right? You think someone could have stepped on a cockroach? <laughs> you only had to step on one of them, right? Would have been. But God brought them all in. God let them in, right? And in the same, it'll be the same in God's ark in the last days as well. Clean and unclean together in God's ark. The wheat and the tares will grow together until the time of the harvest. Right? In that parable, Yeshua's not talking about the world, he's talking about in God's field. Right? He's not talking about the neighbor's fields. He's not talking about the mountains and the oceans and the rivers and the deserts. In the field, mm -hmm. the wheat and the tares grow together. Right. And in God's family as well, as it always has been, Judas among the twelve, 
10 of the brothers of Joseph ready to kill him, selling him into slavery. That's the 12 tribes of Israel. Cain killing Abel. Adam and Eve turning their backs on God for a time. So from the beginning of time, God's family has been messed up. (laughs) With the wheat and tares together, with the clean and unclean together. And so don't be surprised if that's how it is today as well. As Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sounds like the world, right? Yes. But it's not talking about the world. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Doesn't say denying God. Doesn't say atheists, agnostics. Having a form of godliness professed believers, having religion, but denying the real power of God to transform their hearts and minds. So this description is in the last days, perilous times will come, and even among the people of God will be this list of characters. So be not surprised. Right? And in the many examples, 10 out of the 12 children of Jacob, children of Israel, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Thousands and thousands of people on the earth and only eight getting into the ark. Usually, historically, the majority are not ready for God's time at hand, whether it was the flood or very to leave Egypt or whatever the event was that they needed to be ready for or for his second coming, the majority will not be ready. Even the parable of the ten virgins, 50%. And that's again among those that are waiting on the Lord's coming. in that parable weren't ready. Didn't have enough oil in their lamps. Had not pre-prepared. Let's take a look at some animals and see how they match up with this description that were on the ark and compare them with us today. It's like mosquitoes. They were on the ark, right? (laughs) Unloving, selfish, brutal, Bloodthirsty, yes. Just suck your blood, right? And there are people in the family of God who will just suck your blood (laughs) 
Hey, will just suck all the love out of you. You know, you just give love. They'll just take it and take it and take it and just suck it and won't give you anything back. I just suck you dry and then fly away <laughs> and disappear and go somewhere else and suck someone else's blood until they suck them dry as well. Lots of blood sucking love suckers <laughs> just suck you dry. Like a mosquito. They were on the ark, obviously. God allowed them in. Because God doesn't want any to be lost. Even Judas, he kept on pleading for Judas. Lovers of themselves. <laughs> now the cat lovers here, they're going to hate me for this one. <laughs> you know, it's just how it is. <laughs> They don't love you that you think they love you. They don't love you. <laughs> they don't care about you at all. <laughs> they love themselves, right? It's all about themselves, right? They just feed me, take care of me, pet me. And then when they're done with you, they're off on their own, right? You can take care of a cat, feed the cat. And then after you feed them, you go to pet it. And it'll bite you. Yeah, it can bite you, it can scratch you. <laughs> It doesn't care. It'll bite the hand of it, right? They just care about themselves, right? Yeah. And you compare them with dogs, you know. Uh, a dog looks at, a, at its owner, its master, whatever, the human, and uh, says, they feed me, they give me housing, they take care of me, they love me, they must be God. And the cat looks at you and says, they feed me, they house me, they take care of me, they love me, I must be God. <laughs> and that reveals a lot about what your, your picture of God is like, right? Is God one there that, to serve us or is God there for us to, to, to serve, right? To adore. Right? And so the cat thinks, well, if God must be the one to be adored. I'm the one being adored. I must be God. And that's how cats are. So selfish for themselves, right? And even within the family of God, there are those who it's all about them. And everything has to revolve around them. Their needs being met, their interests, their thoughts, their opinion, everything about them. And kind of like a porcupine, might be fine, you rub them the wrong way, <laughs> you're going to get uh, stuck, right? Yes. You know, cat, not the right guy, you just bite you, right? They were friendly yesterday, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Yeah, purr, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds so good. Despisers of good, right? Vultures on the ark, right? They don't like the good. They want to hear the bad news. They want to hear the gossip. They want to hear the juicy, you know? They don't want to hear the praises. They want to hear the prayer requests. <laughs> right? Let me hear who's in problems. Who's got marriage troubles? Got, let, me tell, let me hear all about that. Right? What did you hear about so and so? They just want to get in there and eat the flesh, just eat the internals, right? <laughs> they just want the guts and the gore, right? That's what they want. Stick their head in the middle of every problem. There's a problem, right? There's a. There's an issue going on, they, they want to be in the midst of it. Right? Drama follows them, right? Or they follow drama. Right? They want to always be in the midst of all of it. They can smell it a mile away, 
They can send someone. They go right up to them and find out and share it with others and bring all the other buzzards with them. Just feast on the person who's hurting and struggling like Job's friends. Well, if you would have done this and if you would have, you wouldn't be having this problem. It's your own fault. Just make matters worse. Right? Just rip them to shreds. Just waiting for someone to die. Boasters and proud. Right? Strutting their stuff. Want to be seen by everybody, heard by everybody. Just there for the beauty, just there for the fame. Just there to be known. Have their names on the roll. Donate so much to have the plaque and yes. the seat and yes. <laughs> the building named after them and the room named after them. Have the notoriety. Be seen boasters and proud. Brutal traitors. The cuckoo bird. Cuckoo bird lays its nest in a different bird's nest. They don't build their own nest and lay their eggs. They go to someone else's nest and they lay their eggs there. And then when those eggs hatch, their birds are big. And they push out the other birds. And they kill the other birds. Treacherous, brutal. And there are those who come in and they try and split up congregations. Maybe that might be not be their intention in the beginning, but it happens way too often. Splits in congregations among the people of God? That is absurd. Who would think of such a thing? But it happens. It happens, and it's a sad testimony. It's not a godly thing at all. I remember one person telling me, uh, this congregation they was a part of, it split, and over this something, nothing, and, uh, but he was on the right side. And they, they, were, they ended up, the congregation used to have 200 people. And uh, the congregation, the part that he was part of, they, uh, they, they were had about 120. They were on the right. And the other people, oh, they're almost down to nothing. They only got about 30. I did some quick calculating. And I said there were about 50 people who lost somewhere in the cracks. That's not glory to God. They take a 200-person congregation and split it into 120 and 30. There's no glory there. There's no praise there. There's no good there. There's no right there. That's horrible. Church hoppers. Church hoppers, yeah. Many years ago, we had a... Uh, I wasn't here that week, and someone came, and uh, a minister starting another congregation in another town, and they started passing out his cards. Wasn't long after that, he left the Lord. Denied Yeshua. <laughs> Took the people that had followed it. No one, thankfully, no one from here left. No one went with him. But uh, those that had from other places, wherever he went. But yeah, going in and stealing and horrible, horrible things that happened among the family of God. Nothing new under the sun. Lovers of pleasure. <laughs> We just love the praise and we love the worship. We love the outings. We love the picnics. We love the, the get togethers. We love the own egg. Oh, we love the fun. We love the plays. <laughs> right? We come for all the fun times. Right? We love the Sukkot. 
Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, not so much. <laughs> Hanukkah is great, you know. All the fun, the pleasure. They love the pleasure. Lovers of pleasure. I'm a fox. Come in when no one sees them. Comes in at night. Sneaky, crafty. Stealing eggs and stealing chickens. Just stealing away the lambs. And just plucking them away. Undercover, no one knows. Sometimes they put on sheep's clothing. Sad, 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 sad. In the family of God. And the owl. Ooh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> what, what's the owl known for? <laughs> what, are, what are owls known for? Wise, right. What are they so wise about? I'm saying they're so wise. I don't know what's so wise about an owl, right? Do they do anything? read anything? That owls are, do they make a great nest that makes them so wise? Or, what are they? I think they just, someone saw one and said, he looks pretty wise, <laughs> just sitting there. I don't know. I don't think there's any, I don't think their brains, you know, like dolphins are very wise. You know, they got intelligent brains and can do a lot of things. And, you know, so there's some animals that are wiser than others. I don't think an owl is, it's a bird brain, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know. But it just looks maybe wise. You know, it's amazing, it's a good caricature, right? So someone said they're wise. And there are some people who other people think are wise. <laughs> But they know nothing. <laughs> they may talk a good talk. They may quote this and say this and sound like they know everything. But they really don't know anything. See, people think they're wise. People put them up on a pedestal. People will follow them and listen to them when they're really just blabbering away. Empty vessels. An empty box makes a lot more noise than a full box if you drop it on the ground, right? It's just rattling. There's a lot of type of things in the family of God. But all of these characters were in the ark. And today as well, in the family of God, we got all kinds. Then we also have, Bible says, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that will be in the family of God as well. And so, and you have, uh, so you have like the Labrador Retriever. Right? He's got almost all the whole list. <laughs> Loving, long-suffering, faithful, and self-control. I heard a story. This dog was uh, guarding the house and this criminal came in and and the dog chased him up on top of the dresser and the guy was standing there and the dog was growling and the whole day went by and the owners finally came home after hours and, and hours and, and the dog was there and they called the police. The police came and arrested the guy. And then only after that, the dog ran out the doggy door and went potty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it waited. It had self-control, right? It was faithful <laughs> to its duty. It wasn't moving from its duty, right? The dogs are long-suffering. They'll put up with you. You forget to feed them. They'll be all right. You know, you come home late. They'll be all right. They're so happy. They're loving. They just greet you. You know, you come in the door. Oh, yeah, so happy, you know. They love you. And 
And then you go out the door for a minute, and you come back in, you go out to the garage to get something, you come back in, it's like you never left. I mean, it's like you just, it's been gone for hours. Oh, look, hey, you're back, hey, I'm so happy to see you all over again, you know? And just always happy to see you. <laughs> just loving, and there are people in the family of God, right? You make great greeters, they're happy, they're loving, they're faithful, they're every week, and consistent, and cheerful, long-suffering. You can call them dummy, whatever, they don't care, they don't get it, they're not easily offended. You can say, come here, dummy, and they'll come anyway. <laughs> you know? Faithful, loving, forgiving, long-suffering, the people of God, family of God, right? Wonderful to have around. Wonderful to have around. And people think I, I don't like dogs. I like dogs. I don't have any problem with dogs. It's dog people I don't like. <laughs> That's what drives me nuts. People spend more money on dogs and you know, no money on the suffering and the poor and the needy and evangelism and the, the word of God. <laughs> and, you know, buy a, you know, whatever. Expensive dog bed. When a dog will sleep on the ground. <laughs> you know, you know, expensive food and dogs will eat poop. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, it's the people that are the problems. <laughs> That's only in the last, you know, last generation or so. Prior to that, dogs were dog's life. You know, it was a dog, I slept outside, and dogs were treated as dogs, not as people. Anyway, songbirds, eh? cheerful, joyful, proclaiming. They're beautiful, they're colorful, they're happy, they're singing every morning. It could be raining, they're singing. It could be snowing, they're singing. They're happy, they're praising the Lord, right? Through thick and thin problems, they can have cancer riddled through their body and in pain. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. God is good. I just praise Him. You know, just thanking the Lord, cheerful in all things, right? The world coming apart on them, and they're just praising the Lord and thankful, praising Him. And the family of God, right? Always happy, always up. How are you doing this great, grand, and glorious day? Right? <laughs> it's going to get better. Wonderful. Praising the Lord. Songbirds in the yard. Cheering everybody up. And then also you got the bees and the ants. Cooperating, hardworking, loyal, obedient. Right, obedient to the queen. The worker bees, they just keep bringing it in. Worker bees don't say, well, why am I doing all this work and you're getting all this food? <laughs> I don't even get to meet the queen. And everyone knows their role, does their role, content doing their role, cooperating together, team effort, building it up working together in their place, harmony together. And you go walking along and you trip over a anthill and knock it half to pieces. What do the ants do? They build it back up, right? They go back to work. They're going to build it back up again. They just go do, 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 do. And start building it all over again. You know? They're faithful. They're busy. They're active, right? And so the family of God, you got those who are active and workers and about the Lord's business, and they're there doing it, and they'll do this and do that, and, and helping build up the building of God, the family of God, the ark of God, right? Serving, cooperating, sharing, going forth, working hard, and working together, cooperating. And loyal, dependable, they're there. Obedient, understanding the various different deacons, elders, different things that God has placed for the order of his work, and working and cooperating with it. Family of God. So bees on the ark, ants on the ark, all together. Right? Just two bees and just two ants. <laughs> yeah. and that was more than enough. But 
They serve a good purpose. They aerate the soil, right? That's good for the plants. They keep it all going. I don't know if there were any termites on there. That'd be some termites on the ark, right? You know? Thankfully, they were just two and they were slow eating. <laughs> you know? Maybe they didn't like gopher wood, or I don't know. Maybe he fed them something else to keep them busy. But even termites got a place, you know, out in the rainforest. They eat up all the debris, right? That's that's good too, right? They got they got a purpose and a plan. And God brings it all together. I don't know how God fed all these animals. I believe maybe the Bible doesn't say it's just a pers- speculation. Maybe he hibernated them. Maybe like the bears, maybe they all went to sleep for a long time. You know, but who knows? God provided. They survived. So with all these things in the ark, what else was in the ark? People in the ark, right? Eight people. What else was in the ark? There was food, and if there's food, what else was in the ark? Poop. Lots of poop in the ark, right? <laughs> It must have stunk, <laughs> you know. Did you believe? Unbelievable in that ark, right? The bottom of that ark, it all goes downhill, right? Oh, it must have stunk. It just eight humans shoveling all that stuff of all different kinds, of all different sorts of poop. All in the ark. You know, and in the family of God, there's clean, there's unclean, and there's a lot of poop. Hey, if you're looking for a poop-free house in the family of God, you're not going to find it. No. Some people go around looking, looking for the perfect people. Where are the perfect people? And can you imagine someone trying to choose the Messiah by his followers? Mm. Someone said, I wonder if this guy's the Messiah. He's doing these things. He's saying these things. Maybe he's the Messiah. Let me go check it out. And so following close behind, and there he overhears James and John. Let's bring fire down from... God out of heaven. Oh, that doesn't sound real nice. I don't know. Well, let me check some more. I'd follow him for a little while. On, oh, See Judas stealing some money. The treasurer is stealing money. In the family of God. In the congregation of God. Oh, that's not good. Just following a little longer. Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off a guy's ear. <laughs> Forget it. This ain't it. He's not the Messiah. Because they're looking at the disciples. And there's lots of people who will leave a congregation because of other people. Not realizing that in the ark of God, there are clean and there are unclean. And that's how it's always been. Don't join a congregation or leave a congregation because of the people in the congregation. The teachings in the congregation, the doctrines in the congregation, that's what builds up the ark. That's what holds the ark together. That's what keeps it afloat. That's what's important. There's going to be clean and unclean, wheat and tares, down to the end of time, till the time of the harvest, when God separates the sheep and the goats. Don't get shaken out, because the devil loves it. We can get a shaking out because if someone said something, people say, I said something, and you know, we record, and I go back and listen, I didn't say that. <laughs> We're there. We hear what we want to hear sometimes. And sometimes people do say stuff. And sometimes it is what it is. Sometimes it's not what we think it is. Martha and Mary thought Yeshua blew it. 
If you would have come, we sent you a message. Why didn't you come? You're over healing him, healing him, visiting him, doing this, saying this. You didn't come even for Lazarus. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But you shouldn't know what he was doing. And so we shouldn't jump to accuse people's motives and intent to their heart. We can overlook some dumb statements and some dumb actions. Because the devil wants to get us hopping. Because once he finds he can get us hopping, he'll just keep us hopping. He'll hurt that person that, that, that caused you to flip. He'll have him follow you right into the next place. Maybe with a different name next time, but that same person will be there. <laughs> that same character anyway. The devil knows that's your button. He'll just keep pushing that. Every few months, every few years. Be in the right ark, be in there because of the truths that are being taught. And not all arcs are going in the same direction. So choose your ark wisely. Not all are going to make it through the storm. Choose your ark wisely based on the teachings, based on the word of God, based on the truth that's presented, not on the character or what the, the character we think of the people. Again, of the disciples, and even of Yeshua himself, as Mary and Martha misread him, and others misread him. Well, it can't be right. From Nazareth, misunderstood, misread. Didn't know the whole story. Get the facts, get the facts from the horse's mouth, as they say. And then make your choice on that. And then stick in the ark. Stay in the ark. Because even with all the unclean animals and the spiders and the crocodiles and the lizards and the cockroaches and the snakes in the ark and all the poop in the ark and there's going to be problems in the ark. There's going to be issues that happen. Poop happens, you know. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's a lot safer and better in the ark with all the smell and out in the rain. Okay? So stay within God's ark. There's a lot of people. And that's why they like animals so much. That's why they'll feed their dog and be so happy with their dog, because dogs are nice and people are not. That's just the way it is. I'll be straight with you. People are not going to be nice. But it's better to be with the people, even if they're not nice, because that's developing your character. Learning to be forgiving, long-suffering, patient, Kind. Right? It's easy to be kind to those that are kind. It's easy to be kind to the dog. God wants you to be kind to the unkind. God wants you to be kind to the lizard. The guy, yeah, God wants you to be kind to the unloving, the unlovable. And he calls us together. And then God can use you in the ark of God to transform that ugly caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. But if you're sitting at home, he's not able to do that. Come together into the ark of God, into the family of God, into the presence with one another, even with the unclean animals there, even with all the poop and the problems that happen within a congregation. Part of life. Learn. And it'll help you in all other areas of your life, too.
Help you learn to get along with your spouse. Help you learn to get along with your boss and your neighbor and, and, and your coworkers, your employees and your landlord and your renter and whoever else comes into your life. Because if we can't get along with the family of God here, how are we going to make it through eternity? We've got to love one another now and here. Even in the ark of God. And so if you do find a congregation where everyone there is perfect, don't join it. Don't join it. You'll ruin it. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're all growing in the walk of the Lord. Right? God's people should not be a museum. It's a hospital with a lot of sick people in it. All there to get healed. Even the doctors and nurses get sick. I need to be in a hospital sometimes. Even a doctor and a nurse can break their leg and need a surgery or an operation or a cast. And so all throughout the family of God and the leadership, we're all in it together. All growing together, being sanctified by the Lord in the work of the God. It says in John chapter 13, verse 34, love one another as I have loved you. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 1 Peter 3, verse 8, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, loving as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, reviling, but on the contrary, blessings, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So he's saying return blessing instead of reviling, instead of evil. That means there's going to be evil taking place, right? But to return the blessing in spite of the evil that happens. Right? Be of one mind, having compassion for one another. You don't have to have compassion on someone who's great. You don't have compassion on someone who's kind to you. And we have compassion on those who blow it. We have compassion on those who disappoint us, on those who let us down, those who say, who say dumb things, those who forget their promise, those who didn't come through for us when we thought they needed to be there. Having compassion. She said, love one another as I have loved you. Well, how did Yeshua love us? While we were yet sinners, while we were unclean, he first loved us. Right? He called Mary, he called Matthew as a tax collector. He called us and then grows us and changes us and transforms us. Everyone growing at their own rate, in their different ways and different styles, all serving the purpose of God in the family of God. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly, affectionate, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Hebrews 10, 24. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. That day is referring to the 
destruction of this world. The coming of the Lord. That day. And so the closer we get to that, the more we need to press together. The more we need to be in the ark, in the family of God. Together. Even with the problems. Building each other up. Loving one another. Encouraging one another. Strengthening one another. Like Aaron and her holding up Moses' hands. Gathering together. And even back in that day, not forsaking assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, even in that day. Nothing new under the sun. But encouraging one another. Coming together. Assembling ourselves together. And preferring others better than ourselves. Putting them first. As the Labrador Retriever, right? The servants, helping one another. Loving one another. Caring for one another. Blessing one another. That's the family of God. That's the building of the ark that God has called us to do. And inviting others to come in. Our 120 years, inviting people to come in. Come into the ark, come into the ark, come into the ark. That's what God's called us to do in these last days. To be a family of God. Loving one another. In spite of ourselves, in spite of our problems, in spite of what's there. Building up the truth, building up God's ark with truthful wood, the truthful doctrines, the truthful teachings. Coming together. Uniting together. Putting up with each other. Loving each other. And inviting other people in. And so as we prepare to pray, if some of the things we looked at, maybe some of those unclean animals we looked at, that convicted your heart. Maybe God spoke to you some characteristic that's applying in your life. And of course, we're all maybe a combination of both. <laughs> There's areas where God's still sanctifying and still growing. But God's revealing the next thing in your life. The next area in your life. Then a moment when we pray, confess it to him. Accept Yeshua's forgiveness. Allow him to transform that area of your life. Allow him to forgive it and wash it clean through his blood. Allow him to fill you with his Holy Spirit and give you victory in that area of your life. Whatever area it is, let him work in you and through you. Maybe the Lord's convicting you of times in the past where someone rubbed you the wrong way and you fled, you ran, you jumped out of the ark. You ran for no good reason. It seemed good at the time, but now you're thinking about it. It wasn't based on truth. It wasn't based on doctrine. It was based on hurt feelings. And you want to confess that and give that over to the Lord for the Lord to cleanse it, to give you tough skin, so the next time the devil tries to push that button, it doesn't have any effect on you. And give that over to the Lord. God's revealing to your heart and mind maybe some people in your life that you find hard to get along with, hard to love, hard to be compassionate towards, hard to prefer above yourself, hard to be long-suffering for and kind to, then surrender that to the Lord and let him fill you with his grace. Let him fill you with his power. Let him fill you with his mind. Let this mind be in you that was in Yeshua the Messiah so that those gifts, those characters, the gifts of the Spirit will be manifested in you so that you can love the unlovely, <coughs> even in the family of God.
If you haven't entered into God's ark, if you're floating around on some little life raft somewhere by yourself, you need to come into the ark. Safety in the ark. You'll get blown around, you'll get tossed to and fro, you'll be sent out in the waves and you won't make it. You need to come into the ark. Even with all those unclean animals in it, even with all the poop in it, come into the ark. May God give you discernment in a witch ark, truth of God's word, where truth is proclaimed, come into the safety of God's ark. If you have been inconsistent in forsaking, gathering, assembling of ourselves together, hasn't been on a regular basis, in and out, inconsistent, as we're drawing close to these last days, the day of the Lord is at hand. Ask God to put you on a consistent basis. To be consistent, to be a blessing, to be consistent, to be blessed. To be in the ark throughout the whole flood. Not just a part of it, not just half of it, that's just three quarters, but to stay together in the ark of God. God has revealed through some of the characteristics and the, of the good, the gifts of the Spirit, that God has placed in you. You're willing to be used by God and uniting together like the ants and like the bees and working together, like the songbird singing his praises to others, blessing others, cooperating together, helping others. And in a moment when we pray, you can say, Lord, use me. Use my talent, use my gift, fit me together with the others in building up the hive of God, building up the colony of God, building up the ark of God. Lord, how can I be used for you? Here I am. Use me. So if any of those areas apply to you, and maybe some other area God's been speaking to your heart and mind, let's pray and let God work. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, over everything, you see all, you know all, and you know what's best, and you know our individual lives as well. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for giving us examples through the scriptures, down through the ages. Thank you for putting up with the disciples. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for drawing us to your precious bleeding side. Thank you for your work in us. Thank you for bringing us here together today. Thank you for bringing us into the ark here today. Lord, hold us fast. Cleanse us. Remove out of our hearts and minds everything that's not of you. And use us in building up love in others, building up others to good works, encouraging one another, preferring others better than ourselves. Make us loving and long-suffering, kind and gentle and good. Make us a blessing, spreading your word. Use us inviting others. Use us in helping others. Use us in strengthening others. And may we learn and reveal our character to us. Reveal to us where in our hearts are the, our shortcomings. Allow the other people's characters and actions to reveal in us our impatience, our anger, our bitterness, our judgmentalism, 
our condemnation, our Feel our thoughts to us. Give us the gift of conviction, the gift of confession. Give us the gift of repentance. Thank you for giving us the gift of salvation. Thank you for giving us the gift of the Messiah. Thank you, Yeshua, for giving your life, giving your blood to cleanse us. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts and minds and empower us to live for you, to be used by you, in serving you in the family of God. Fit stones, fit together, linked together on you as the foundation stone. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.